welcome to the Ticking Project, ResEd's initiative to understand what makes us tick. I'm Mike McCormick, the coordinator of community programs and the host of this little podcast. On today's episode, Brittany Somerville spoke to Carrie Moss, the Educational Opportunities Program Coordinator, about all things EOP and about first-generation college students. With that, I will turn it over to Ms. Somerville. Take it away, Brittany. My name is Carrie Moss. I'm the EOP Coordinator. Um, educational Opportunity Program, and I have been in this role for the last two years, and prior to that I was the EOP counselor, so near and dear to my heart this program is. Uh, We serve first generation, meaning no parent has graduated from a four-year university, low income, so they have historically um, low income based on a federal criteria, Mm -hmm. and they show the ability to succeed in high school. So they have the capability, but they didn't necessarily, they were educationally disadvantaged okay. students. So um, thank you for having me. <laughs> okay, so when you talk about the first um, generation student, what are you talking about? Which you kind of already hit on, so don't answer that question. Okay. <laughs> um, what are some common experiences these students face in college? So the biggest thing for them is that their parents and their family don't know what college means and how it differs um, processing-wise, just getting into college, but then maintaining your financial aid and all of those different paperwork to stay in college, in addition to different times for classes, different class schedules, it's not high school, Mm -hmm. and getting that support that... They, they can't watch their younger siblings from three to five anymore when they get out of school. They can't um, be there necessarily to cook or work full time and go to school, although some of them some of them do out of necessity. But um, mostly it's a gaining an understanding from their family and getting that family support that they, they face. <laughs> um, what resources um, exist on campus for these students? Okay, so the Education Opportunity Program, that's their main sort of resource. And one of the things that they do each semester is they have a gold card where they need to complete um, different tasks assigned to them. And then once they do, they receive priority registration. So that's a big resource because that can guarantee graduating in four years. Yeah. Um, another one is we have a tech checkout system. So we have iPads and laptops. If they need them, they can check them out for a week, two weeks, or the possibly an entire semester, depending on the need. Mm. Um, Then we have a number of students that stay in the center, sometimes take naps, but Mm. mostly study, study groups, and free printing. And just overall having a cohort, because the main support that we offer is Summer Bridge. Mm. And during Summer Bridge, the incoming freshmen all get to know each other, they form this bond, and they serve as a support network throughout their time at Channel Islands. That sounds really neat. Did um, I answer the question? Because we yeah. offer other, like we also offer counseling, and then I help them through um, if they need help with grade. With um, we have a mid semester grade evaluation mm-hmm. that we ask of all their professors, which is different. Right. Um, and then we can get an idea of where they're at and tell them early enough that they can make the change to improve their grade before finals. And then you said you provide counseling. Mm-hmm. So depending on what the situation is, whether it's guidance here and we can point them to resources on campus, or if they just need to talk with, with somebody, they just need to process mm-hmm. what to do about financial aid um, or personal problems at home. 
And do you find that you refer those refer the students to those resources more often than not? We do, depending on the situation. If they if it's really serious, we'll have them go to psychology mm-hmm. services here on campus. But if it's um, an issue that I'm able to help them through, then I will or Aida. They meet once a semester, all the students do, with Aida to check in and that's part of their gold card requirement. So very and neat. Then, yeah. That's that's a lot. I didn't realize that there were so many resources for those for the EOP students. Yeah, and since we got PATH on, I'm sure you're also having um, a training with Leticia, who works mm-hmm. with okay, um, the PATH students. This is unique because we can cross over, so we can have our foster youth and EOP also have PATH services, which is different than SSS because mm-hmm. we don't have any crossover. Side note. <laughs> <laughs> um, what changes or improvements can be made on campus to create the most rewarding college experience for these students? So what in my ideal world, I want to have a bridge program that's after sophomore year so that continues that relationship and helps um, them to see, okay, you made it through freshman and now you're, you're also going to make it through as a sophomore and you still have that support. Because one of the things that happens is they get all of this love in the beginning over this summer and it the momentum carries through their freshman year but then there isn't anything really big for the sophomore and a number of students um, just in general population statistically if they struggle that'll be the year that they mm-hmm. are out but if they can get to junior year then they're probably going to graduate so something and then more mixers more um, gatherings like that which Excitingly, the EOP club has is taking off this semester. We have 45 members, That's so awesome. with that pool, I think they'll be able to initiate and start different mixers and stuff. So. Cool. Um, can you tell us a story that was particularly meaningful to you in working with this population? Wow. Uh, I have so many. Most of them would probably bring tears to my eyes. Early on, um, there was a situation back in 2011 or something, and, and a student has said, oh my gosh, this is the first time that I've had my own bed. Mm-hmm. That stood out for me during Summer Bridge. We get a lot of moments in Summer mm-hmm. Bridge where we see just how much a student struggled in their life. Um, couch surfing, homeless, mm-hmm. living in their car. Um, all of the special admittance stories are really near and dear to my heart because EOP has the ability to override an admittance decision, meaning if you're not regularly admissible, mm-hmm. if you're an EOP student, we can give you an EOP special and bring you on board. So when we're determining our admins, we look at how disadvantaged of a life have they had. And because we have a pool of over 2,000 to narrow down to only 60 this year, and we're negotiating a number for next year. Um, we're really able to get those students who can make it, who can persevere, who have a drive and they just want to be successful, but they have been knocked so many times. So if it happens that their final transcripts come in, say, and they wouldn't be regularly admissible, EOP will pick them up. If it happens that they had a dip their junior year because they couldn't get to school because they were living in a car, had just lost their home, EOP can pick them up. So we can balance based on their autobiographical statement whether it was um, 
a head thing, they weren't capable of succeeding, or whether it was a circumstantial environmental thing that was beyond their control. Um, that's a big reason why I'm passionate about this program because, you know, it's like serving the underdog who's mm -hmm. been treated. And giving them the opportunity that they haven't been, been able to see. Yes, exactly. And then another resource is oftentimes departments will ask me, do you have any EOP students that you would consider for this position or, or would be a good student assistant? And that's because we already have a very extensive screening process mm -hmm. just to get into EOP. So oftentimes if you're here, it's like you're gold. Right. You know, you're, you're not going to be going through what you've been through. You mm -hmm. made it out in a sense. There's that feeling, although life is still hard. Yeah. Because that's just the nature of life, mm -hmm. you know. You're so agreeable with me. <laughs> no, I think, and I, I think, like, your passion really shows, and I think that a lot of times we have students that don't necessarily feel like they have that support, mm -hmm. and so to see that there's actually a program on campus where the passion is there and there's someone that believes in you and they can look at just your personal statement and say, like, you're worth it, even though, according to the university standards, because you didn't make grades, you're not. Exactly, And right. so I think that you being able to identify those students and still bring them on and still care for them and nurture them and provide them the resources so they can be the people that they want to be. Like, I really think that that is great. So, yeah. I think it contributes to the family quality mm -hmm. of EOP because of, because of that, yeah. Um, but you bring up a really good point. I am really passionate about this population, and I recognize that we can't take into EOP all of the EOP students mm -hmm. that exist on campus. So there's like EOP student and then there's bona fide EOP. Bona fide would be the ones that make it into the program. But we have other students who come to CI that there was no way we could afford to accept. Mm -hmm. And I will still support those students. So um, like what I respond in my email is, although you're not an EOP, this is my office, this is my number, I will still help support you and you can still use the center um, and then some have even we consider like honorary EOP you know mm -hmm. not all the same privileges but that's why the EOP club was formed it's for it doesn't stand for educational opportunity program it stands for everyone is our priority so we link the EOP acronym but we broaden it to if you didn't get in join the club be active get that kind of networking mm -hmm. um, that the club offers. And that, that's, that's, that's gold. <laughs> um, what is one thing that you think student leaders need to know about working with this population? Um, well, regardless of what I'm saying or how this is being used in your training, don't assume anything. Don't assume that you know that individual just because you know that they're EOP. Um, you know that they're first gen, but you don't necessarily know that they're not getting any support at home. Mm -hmm. You know that um, they're low income, but you don't know what that meant in their life. So just taking everybody as the individual that they are and spending more time listening than giving advice um, or just talking in general, mm -hmm. I think, and find out you can be the most helpful if you completely understand what the person is telling you or what the needs of the person are. Mm -hmm. So I would just say, um, don't assume and listen. But I would say that about any 
any specialized population or population that's been marginalized. Because I think we tend to, to think there's a certain way to treat mm -hmm. um, gay people or there's a way to treat Hispanic people. And really, all people should just be given a great deal of respect and be listened to. Mm -hmm. So they have voices at the table. Well, thank you. Okay, I hope everybody is having good days. <laughs> thank you, Brittany and Carrie. And for more information about EOP, you can check out the EOP Center in Bell Tower Room 1538 by phone at 805-437-8939 or by email at eop.center.csuci.edu. That's all we have for this episode. Thank you for listening to Cooking Project, and we can't wait to see you again soon, soon, soon. soon.